Man, it's so good to have so many of you here today and uh, to fill God's house, and especially those of you that are visiting with us today. If you're visiting with us, I'll, I'll say this now. I'll probably say it at the end, but that's okay. Uh, and that is this. Um, I say two things every week. One is, I don't believe anybody's here by accident. I believe you're here because God brought you here. For whatever reason, you clicked on our site, or you found us, or you drove by and said, hey, there's a church there. I may want to try that out. Whatever it is, I still don't believe you're here by accident. I believe you're here because God brought you here. And if he brought you here, then my prayer is he's got something for you in your life. That even if you never go, come back, which I hope you do, but if you, even if you never come back, hopefully what you have found today is something that's going to help you in your walk with Christ. Because that's the most important thing, is what you do with Jesus, and it's that walk you have with, with the Father. And so the second thing I say is this, uh, if you're visiting with us, um, give us the next four to six weeks, because I honestly believe that's the only way you can really discover who we are as a church. It's just to spend some time getting connected and becoming a part. And so I would challenge you uh, to do that. But it is, again, it's great to have so many of you here. And we've got some great things that are going to ha be happening over the next several weeks, and I'll fill you in at the end, end on that. There was a dad who was putting his uh, six-year-old to bed, and he decided, because every night they read the Bible, and he would read another story out of the Bible to, to, to his uh, son. And as they were reading, he decided that night to do the parable of the prodigal son. And so he read through the story, and then they began to talk about it. And he talked about how this son was dissatisfied, and he just decided being a farmer wasn't what he wanted to do, and he was just going to go do what he wanted. And he wanted all of his money now, and he took his money and left, but all of a sudden he spends all of his money, and he, he ends up having to come back to the father. And he goes through the whole thing. Then he said that I, I just took a little bit of time to talk about the story with my son. I said, so, so, so what did you learn from today's story? And his six-year-old boy thought for a moment and said, well, I think what I learned was this. Don't leave home without a credit card. Now, I don't think that was quite what he had in mind, but that's the mind of kids, isn't it? You know, just the mind of kids. If you're visiting with us today, I want to welcome you uh, to the second week of an amazing series that we just started last week called Awakening. I believe that God is calling every one of us to, an experience, to experience an awakening in our lives. Why? Well, because all of us can feel distant at times. We can feel disconnected at times from God, kind of like we're just coasting. Ever felt that, like you were just kind of coasting? Or maybe you've just felt like you're just kind of stuck spiritually in a rut. We can all feel like that, or we can feel like we're just kind of spiritually just sleepwalking our way through life. And when that happens, we need some kind of an alarm that goes off to waking us out of our sleep. So over the next five weeks, my prayer is that we can begin to realize that there's a big difference between just believing in God and being truly connected to Him. And when that realization hits us, it will help us to remove the distance we've created so that we can hear His still small voice or His alarm and we can be brought back to that intimate connection that he desires us to have with him. 
So today I want to begin by looking at one of the alarms that God sends into our life to awaken us. It's the deep longings that each of us have inside of our hearts. It's those longings that ask this one simple question. Isn't there more to life than this? You ever been there? You ever asked that question or thought about that question? Isn't there more to life than this? Than just what I'm going through, just what I'm experiencing, what I'm feeling. Isn't there more? As we begin today, pray with me if you would. Lord, I just thank you for this time, and I thank you for what you're going to teach us today. God, I I just pray that you'll use me. Just help my words to be your words, most importantly. And Father, I pray for you just to guide, guide us through this process today as we begin to have an awakening in our life. God, speak to our hearts, speak to our spirits. And God, may we be closer to you when we leave than even when we came. It's in your holy and blessed name that we pray. Amen. I want to show you a picture of a guy who was at this kind of this exact place in his life. He needed an awakening to take place in his life. His name is Marcus Pearson. Has anybody ever heard of Marcus Raise your hand if you've heard of him. Okay. Marcus was a guy who created the game Minecraft. He was a video gamer. He was a, a creator. In 2014, get this, he sold Minecraft to Microsoft for $2.5 billion. That's billion with a B. Okay. That's how much he sold it for. And like any newly minted billionaire, he began to spend his money. He bought cars, went on exotic trips. He purchased anything and everything that he could. He hung out with celebrities and even paid $70 million for a house that had been owned by Beyonce and Jay-Z. After living this way for a while, this is what he, this is what he wrote. He said, the problem with getting everything is you run out of reasons to keep trying and human interaction becomes impossible due due to imbalance. I'm hanging out in Ibiza with a bunch of friends and partying with famous people, able to do whatever I want and get this. And I've never felt more isolated. I've never felt more isolated. Here's a guy who has billions, billions of dollars. And it doesn't satisfy. It doesn't fill those longings within his heart. All the money in the world left him feeling isolated and alone. And it kept him asking that age-old question, isn't there more to life than this? Isn't there more to life than this? Now let me tell you, your story probably is totally different than that of Marcus, right? Now, if your story is similar, similar and you've got a billion dollars, then we need to talk right after this service, okay? And we'll, we'll just have a little conversation. But your story is probably different. In fact, your story is probably different than the person that's sitting right next to you. But the reality is we all have a story, and we all know what it's like to have some longings within our hearts to go unfulfilled, where we find ourselves in places that we never expected 
would be and where we ask, is this all there is? I mean, surely there's got to be more. You see, whether you realize it or not, God built and God hardwired us with certain longings that are there. They're undeniable and they're universal to all of us. Sometimes they're nothing more than a strong sense or a nudge or a longing or a yearning or an unfulfilled desire or a sense that there's got to be something more. But they're there. And they speak to our hearts. In fact, they're in the stories that we write and that we read. They're in the art that we create. And they're even in the songs that we sing. Let me give you a let me give you a few examples. Here's what I'm going to do. I want to start by giving you just the first few lines of some songs, and then when you know it, you just say the next line, the next part of the phrase. Okay, you ready? Here we go. Here's the first one. You can't always get what? Okay, good. You can't always get what you want. How about this one? I still haven't found good what I'm looking for. How about this one? Looking for love in all the wrong places. Or how, how about this one? This is the last one. I can't get no satisfaction. There we go. See, the reality is all of us have longings in our lives, and they can range from deep to very superficial. And if we are not careful, we can get to the place where we're asking, isn't there more to life than this? Isn't there more to life than this? Now, to help us to understand our need for an awakening like that, over the next several weeks, we're going to begin to unpack the story that Jesus tells us of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And I hope that you will discover that the main point is not, don't leave home without your credit card, okay? I hope that's not what you discover. But I hope that you, are begin, you will begin to sense that awakening that we need in our life. You see, this story is going to do two things for us. The first thing it's going to do is this. It will help us to get a clearer picture of our Heavenly Father. But second of all, it will help us to get a clearer picture of ourselves and our lives. So if you've got your Bibles, here's what I want you to do. I want you to open them up to Luke chapter 15. Open them up to Luke chapter 15. Now, we'll be reading out the New Living, Trans, the New Living Translation. And uh, it'll be on, on the screen. So you can follow along there. Or you can follow along in your Bible. We'll begin in just a moment, I think, with verse 11. So you can kind of scroll down there and you'll begin to see. So Luke chapter 15. Now, this story or parable is about a man who had two sons. And the younger son is struggling with life on the farm. And he's thinking... Is this it? I mean, is this all there is? Is this all my life is going to amount to? Just kind of working with the farm, doing the animals, you know, uh, doing the crops, you know, taking care of mom and dad when they get old. Is this all that life is going to amount to? There's got to be more than this. And so over time, he becomes very dissatisfied, and these longings continue to rise up inside of him, and he says, I've got to do something about this. And so he demands his inheritance, and he decides that what he's looking for, what he's longing for, can only be found somewhere else. Ever been there? I mean, isn't that what we tend to do in our lives? 
I mean, don't we think that the things that we want, that they're always out there somewhere? You know, they're in that elusive place that we really can't grab a hold of, but we still search for. Our story begins in verses 11 and 12. So follow along and let's begin to read. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now let's hit the pause button for just a moment. Let me give you some background. There's a couple of things to keep in mind about ancient Middle Eastern culture. First of all, according to the Jewish law, a father who had two sons was to leave two-thirds of his estate to his older son and one-third to his younger son. So the most that this son would get would be a third. Second of all, in that culture, honor was a huge deal. And the son's job was to honor his parents, especially his father. One of the ways you did that was to take care of them in their old age. And you inherited the family farm, the family business, and you tilled the ground that your father and that his father before him had worked so hard to pass on to you. And so this son's actions were actually a little heartless. They were actually pretty cruel. In fact, it was one of the greatest insults that a son could give. Some authors have pointed out that this is the equivalent of saying, Dad, you might as well be dead to me because I really don't care about you and I really don't care about this farm. I just want what's coming to me and I want it now. I mean, that's what it was the equivalent of. We also need to remember that there's no way that the father could quickly liquidate some of his stuff. I mean, he's not going to go to the bank and just transfer funds into this son's you know, account or, or on his debit card. That wasn't going to happen. He's got to sell something, probably some land. And so now another family is going to be living on the land that they had for generations, and that would be a daily reminder of what his son had just done. But here's the amazing thing. In spite of what it represented, look at what verse 12 says. At the end, it says, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. He just decided to do it. Now, before we write off this son as a big jerk, let's just stop and be honest. Because I think we need to admit that all of us are, all of us have done what he is doing at times. Because he's just expressing out loud what probably all of us have felt in our lives at some point. And that is this, that life wasn't giving us what we had hoped for or what we felt we deserved. That there had to be more than what we were seeing, what we were feeling, what we were experiencing. After all, inside of us, we all have these longings. And unfortunately, it's easy to confuse the good with the bad. And to slowly, over time, corrupt and twist those that are good. Here's a principle, the first principle today that I want us to get a hold of, and it's this. Every one of us has longings inside our hearts. They are put there by God. 
and are meant to point us to the truth of who he is. Longings that speak of purpose and love and meaning in life. And those longings mixed with that still small voice of God are the very things that God uses to awaken us out of our boring sleepwalking existence so that we can experience life the way he meant it to be lived. You see, God has put those longings inside of us. And they're not bad necessarily, but they're there and they're God-given. They're hardwired in us. And they are there to point us to the truth of who God is. Here's the thing. Those longings and the ones we struggle with the most, especially in the hard times, again, they come from God and they will lead us in one of two directions. They will either lead us toward him or they will lead us away from him. And unfortunately, the son in our story chose to let these longings for purpose and love and meaning lead him away. Away from his father, away from his home, into a distant place where he really didn't belong. Look at verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all of his money in wild living. Now, as we go through this story, and especially this morning, I just want to give you three universal longings that he struggled with and that we struggle with because they're all common to all of us. They're universal. And the first one is this. It's that longing for purpose. The longing for purpose. You see, deep down inside, I think we all long to know that we're not just here on this planet to suck air and to take up space, right? I mean, that we want to know that we're here on this planet for a reason, that we have a purpose in life, a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. I mean, that's why kids uh, dream about being and doing something that was, that's going to make a difference. Maybe it's being a nurse, or maybe it's being a doctor, maybe it's being a firefighter, maybe it's being a teacher, or maybe it's being a superhero. I mean, kids think that. They dream that. You see, they just want to make a difference. Because we want to know, what will my purpose be? What was I created to do? And how you find and develop that longing for purpose will lead you toward God, or it will lead you away from him. And that choice is yours. I think the son in our story struggled with knowing and understanding his purpose. In fact, that struggle led him to make two poor life choices. The first one was this. He tried to find purpose by living independent of his father. He tried to find his purpose living independent of his father. He wanted to be his own boss. He wanted to be the one in control of his own life. This way he would be able to make his own decisions. Decisions that were his own, not his father's. That's why he believed that his longing for more would be found living the way he wanted to live, as far away from his father as he could get. And here's the thing. The reality is we're no different. Let me be very honest with you. 
the first step toward ruin in your life. I want you to get this. The first step toward ruin in your life is when we decide to find our purpose by running our lives independent of God. If you want to quickly go downhill and you want to quickly ruin your life, then you just live it independent of God. Because what you'll discover is the choices you make and the decisions that you make have the potential to take you out. And if not in this lifetime, they definitely will in the one to come. So what about you? In your struggle to find purpose in life, are you being led closer to the Father? Or are you being led further away from Him? As you search for purpose, is it bringing you closer to God or further away? But the second decision he made, poor decision he made, was this. He tried to find purpose by living life the way he wanted to live it. Again, remember what verse 13 said at the end? It tells us that he took everything he had and what? He wasted all his money on wild living. He may have been the first one who came up with the phrase, what stays in Vegas or what is done in Vegas stays in Vegas. I don't know. What's done in my city stays in my city. You know, I don't know what he, what he did, but he lived this completely wild life. He indulged in his wildest desires. He went to the wildest parties. He drank the best liquor that money could buy. He slept with whoever would take his money. But all that wild living only left him feeling empty and alone, and it left him still without a purpose. So let me ask you, What are you wasting your life on in search of purpose? Again, let me be honest with you. Trying to find purpose apart from God, trying to find it in living for yourself will only lead you further from a true home, your true home with the Father. Let me remind you of what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, great verse. God just tells Jeremiah these words, for I know the plans I have for you. Says the Lord, there are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. If you want to find your purpose in life, you'll never find it apart from God. You'll never find it apart from living in an intimate relationship with the Father, with Him, because that's where your purpose will be found. Why? Because He created you, and He knows you better than you know yourself. And He says, I've got plans for you, good ones. Not plans to hurt you, harm you, or or destroy you. They are good plans. I'm going to give you a hope, and I want to give you a future. But you can't find it apart from me. And so this, this son longed for purpose. But the second thing is this. It was a longing for love. He longed for love. He wanted to be loved. It's been said that to love and to be loved is one of the deepest desires that any of us can have. And because it is, it can drive us to do all kinds of things, good or bad. And I believe that we find it here in this young man as he searched for his definition of love. I mean, we just talked a moment ago about his wild living and what that meant. But I want to focus for a moment on one other aspect. 
Because I believe in his mind that maybe, just maybe, he wanted to experience life the way he heard other people talking about life. He wanted to experience life the way the guys talked about it, you know, after the big game. Or, 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 or how his friends talked about it. And we know how it is, right guys? You know, the stories and the things that, conversations that take place at the pub or take place in the locker room or take place in the dugout after a softball game or take place wherever. We all know we've all had those conversations. We've all been there. We've had those talks, and we all know how easy it is to get caught up in those things, especially when things at home aren't going that great. And maybe that's what was going on with the younger son. His longing for love drove him to wild living. In fact, Let's fast forward in the story, and we'll get to it in another week, but I just want to fast forward very quickly. Fast forward to verse 30 in Luke 15, verse 30. Look what it says. This is what the older brother says to his father. Yet, when this son of yours, he doesn't even refer to him as his brother, does he? This son of yours, you ever done that, parents? You know, when the kids have really been messing up? Okay, that kid of yours... You know, that's kind of what the, you know, the younger brother's doing, elder brother's doing here. That son of yours comes back after squandering your money, look at it, on prostitutes. Maybe the older brother knew something about him. Maybe there was some history there, I don't know. But I do know that we all have a deep longing for love. We all have a deep longing for connection. We all have a deep longing to find someone who will accept us and love us and be with us. Someone we can trust and feel close to. Here's the thing. That longing that you have for love is put there by God. In the very first pages of the Bible it says it's not good for man to be, to be alone. He needs somebody else. And so we come out of the womb with this longing for closeness and intimacy and love. And if we're not careful over the years, it can drive us to all kinds of places, distant places, like it did this son. Here's the second principle I want to give you, and I hope you'll never forget. God put that longing for love inside of you so that you would ultimately find your way back to him. That's why it's there. He put that longing for love inside of your heart. Why? So that you would ultimately find your way to him. Let me tell you, this is the purest definition of love that we have. God's love. And don't miss this. We will never truly be satisfied in our longings for love until we are satisfied in him. I'll repeat that. You will never truly be satisfied in your longings for love until you are satisfied in Him. Until you're satisfied in Him, you'll never probably truly be satisfied in life when it comes to love. Now, as we come back to our story, it's kind of taken a little bit of a crazy turn. So let's begin to look at verses 14 through 16. And this is what we read. 
About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Basically, the son had wasted all his money, and there's nothing left, not even the credit card. And in the middle of his financial drought, there's a great famine in the land, and now he's just in a really bad place. He finally gets a job working for a local farmer, and he's so desperate that he finds himself working in a pig pen. Are you beginning to see the irony of this picture? Here's a Jewish boy who's not supposed to go near the pigs, but now he's living with them, shoveling their poop, and he's so hungry that he wants to eat their food. He's hit rock bottom, he's in a very bad place, and this third longing that he has inside of him begins to well up, and it begins to hit him really hard, because it's this, it's the longing for meaning, for purpose, for love, and for meaning. Meaning is where you're looking for answers, where you're trying to understand the why of your circumstances. And every one of us goes through periods like that. Or maybe we live in a perpetual state of questioning. You see, the longing for meaning comes most vividly to our lives when things get hard, when things aren't going how we want them to go. And if we would let it, this, this longing for meaning could be the beginning of an awakening. I mean, think about the son in our story. As far as he was concerned, his longing for purpose and his longing for love and his longing for meaning wasn't being fulfilled in the way he thought it should be. And so he decided to do things the way he wanted them to be done. And how did that turn out for him? Not real good, did it? Turned out pretty poorly. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. Because in your self-focused search for meaning, you've come up empty-handed in your thinking, why is my life so screwed up? I mean, why are things just going so badly? Why am I in so much pain? Now, I don't have a short and easy answer for you. And I don't want to make light of anyone's pain or circumstances. But if they are causing you to question God, then I invite you to awaken your spirit to a God who understands everything you're going through and who agrees with you that at times, life's not fair. I mean, that's just the way it is. Life's not fair. It's just the reality of a fallen world. I mean, after all, this is not what he created the world to be, right? But when sin raised its ugly head and entered our lives, things changed. And life wasn't fair anymore. Here's what I want us to understand. The pain and the sickness and the hard times in life, they are all signposts. Signposts that can lead us back to a God of justice and fairness and love and protection. A God who doesn't laugh at us from a distance. A God who doesn't say, ooh, tough break. Guess you're just going to have to live with that. But who instead 
enters into our world. A God who enters into our circumstances. A God who helps us to find the answers. Who helps us to find the meaning to the life we're trying to discover. Never forget, rock bottom, sometimes it's the best place to be for a spiritual awakening to take place. Sometimes rock bottom is the best place to be for a spiritual awakening to take place because sometimes you have to hit it before you look up to the one who's been there the whole time. You just haven't wanted to see it or to see him because you wanted to live your life at a distance, separate from who he is. I just remembered this story, and so I just want to share it. When I was a youth pastor in Wichita back in the 80s, we had a young boy, actually him and a friend of his, but Brian began, different Brian than I talked about earlier, Brian began to come to our youth group. Him and his friend, they they were doing drugs, who knows what else they were doing. They had already been kicked out of three other churches and three other youth groups, but they just wanted to come. And so they started coming. But Brian wanted to live his own life. He wanted to continue to do his drugs. He continued to want to drink. He continued to want to do whatever he wanted to do. He's only in high school. And it didn't matter what I said or what I did when we were together and we talked. Because he was still, he already had his mind made up what he wanted to do. And it was apart from God. Until he hit bottom. Bottom for him came like this. After youth group, a lot of the guys would go back to our gym that we had in our building and they'd play basketball. For some reason, this one particular night, they decided that it would be cool to dunk off a chair. So they would set a chair up and they would run and jump off the chair and try to dunk a basketball. I told them numerous times to stop and to quit because somebody was going to get hurt. But Brian had to do it one more time. And so I turned my back and I was heading into the kitchen area and I heard this crash and all these guys were running over to see. See, Brian got his hand caught in the net and he flipped up like this and then came straight down on his head. And we had to call 911, had to get an ambulance there. And they had to take him to the hospital. He had a concussion. He had swelling on the brain. It was touch and go for a few days. But through that awakening, Brian began to look up and see God. He began to decrease the distance between him and the Father. And that, that circumstance of hitting bottom changed his life. He was a different kid when he got out of the hospital. Totally different. You see, sometimes we're not going to look up until we hit the bottom. But when we do, that's when we have an awakening that points us back to the Father. Let me reflect. And as I do, I just want to give you one more, just one more principle, and it's this. 
You see, the problem is not the longings that we have. The problem is trying to fulfill those longings apart from God. That's the problem. The longings are God-given. They're hardwired in us. And so the problem's not the longings. It's how we deal with those and how we deal with them when we try to do it apart from God. Because when we do, it always leads us to that distant, that distant place, a place we don't really want to be, a place that takes us further from our Father and further from our internal home. And so as we close today, I just want to ask you this question. What are you doing or where are you going to satisfy these God-giving longings that are inside of you? That longing for purpose and that longing for love and that longing for meaning. Where are you going? What are you doing to satisfy those longings inside of you? Where are you going to find your purpose in life? Are you trying to do it apart from God? Or how about to find that longing for love or that longing for meaning? For the answers to the struggles of life. Where are you going? What are you doing to find those? Because if you're doing them the way you want to do it or apart from God, you will never discover who you are intended to be and were created to be. Because you're doing it apart from the Father. And so again, we need to do what James 4 verse 8 says and reminds us to do. If you'll draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And so this morning, maybe that's what you need to do. And that's what I want to invite you to do today is just to draw near to God. I want to invite you to draw near to him. Because that's how an awakening begins. And the best way, I think, to tell you to start that process would simply be to pray. To just pray. And pray for God to speak to your heart. Pray for God to show you what he wants of you. Pray for God to bring that awakening into your life. So I would invite you today to draw near to your God. Maybe you've wandered like the sun, away from the Father, away from where you need to be. Maybe you've been a Christian most of your life, but, but lately you've just kind of wandered away and you're just kind of doing life the way you want to do it. Here's the interesting thing that hit me on these three parables. Because again, this is the final parable of three that Jesus tells in Luke 15. He does it in rapid fire, uh, you know, rapid fire to these religious leaders. He tells about the lost sheep. He tells about the lost coin. But then he tells about a lost son. Now in the other two, that which is lost is found. But in this case, what was lost was already in the fold, right? It was already part of the family. And so maybe, maybe today you're like that son. You've been in the family, but you just wandered away because you just want to do life apart from God and the way you want to do it. If that's you, I want to invite you today to have an awakening. To just say, God, I need you. I need you more in my life than I've ever wanted you or, or, or invited you to be. But today I want to do that. I want to invite you into my life. I want to repent of those things that I've done. Or maybe... Maybe you've never come to Christ. Maybe you've never surrendered to him, and maybe that's what you need to do. Last week, Garen had the privilege of baptizing his son two weeks ago in the Christ. Maybe that's what you need to do today. You just need to give your life to him.
for the very first time and be baptized into him. Maybe you just need to connect with the church. Maybe you need to connect with a group like this and say, you know, I'm tired of visiting other places. I'm tired of wondering. I just, I need to find a place that's my home, a place that I can connect with people, a place that I can come and I know I'm going to be loved and cared for. Maybe that's what you need. I don't know. But whatever you need, this is the day to do it. We're not promised tomorrow. My buddy Craig knows that well. My buddy Brian knows that well. It's not promised tomorrow. And we're not promised tomorrow. Today's the day to get right with your God. Today's the day to have that awakening to the longings that he has put in your life for purpose, for love, and for meaning. So here's what we're going to do. Worship team, go ahead and come up. We're going to go into a time of the Lord's Supper. Now, if you're visiting with us today, this is something that we do every week. It's a part of our DNA. It's a part of who we are. We celebrate the Lord's Supper each and every week as we come together as a body. We'll have two stations on each side. And in just a moment, I will invite you to go to one of those stations. And if you'll take the bread and dip it in the, in the juice and then go back and, and partake as you sit and as you pray, then we're going to worship together as the body. But here's what I want you to do. If you have a decision today, if you just want to reconnect, if you want to just give your life to Christ for the very first time, whatever you need to do in your life, I'm going to be sitting right over here. And I just want to invite you to come and, and talk with me. And we'll pray together. Because let me tell you, there's nothing more important than knowing that you are right with your God. Nothing is more important than getting right with your God. We are not promised tomorrow. But we are promised right now. So let's, let's worship together. And let's partake and let's remember the sacrifice that our God made for us. Pray with me. Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for all you do. God, as we begin right now just to celebrate your supper, to celebrate what you have done for us on the cross, may we never forget the price that was paid. Thank you, Father. God, I pray for each one here. If there's just one person that needs to get right, that needs to, to make a decision, then I pray that you'll speak to their heart, God. And help them to know that today is the day just to, to give themselves to you, to have that awakening in their life. It's in your name we pray. Amen.